Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. It's a new year and it's an all new RD because we're going to have a brand new host starting this episode. So this is me passing on the host mic to Neha, who you've heard uh, over the past few episodes and who you've also loved. So over to you, Neha, the new host of RD. Hello. Hi, guys. Neha here. Um... I don't have anything witty to say. But anyways, <laughs> guys, Neha here, hopefully this time next year I will have something witty to say. But uh, this week's episode is what's in and what's out in 2024. For the ones that followed us last year, or I mean last week, we did a end of the year wrap for 2023. So we think it's only fitting for us to do a what's in and what's out. Um, so... We're going to divide this episode into five broad categories. Work, dating, entertainment, beauty, and social justice. Starting with the most interesting category of all, work. (laughs) (laughs) And considering how this is totally not my job that I get paid for. (laughs) 2020 was the year for work from home. And it seems like 2024 is the year that work from office is back. What are our takes on this, guys? Hi, this is Rohita, and I will be the first to respectfully disagree with the, <laughs> the idea that work from office is back in 2024. Um, yeah, is, is work from office in or out? I think it should remain somewhere in a, hap- in like a happy middle, <laughs> just like I am. Um, because I really do feel like there was a lot that happened since 2020 in terms of changing work culture and really trimming off like extraneous aspects of work culture, which, you know, led to a lot of um, hurdles for many people. And now like the flexibility was just really good for many, many people as the stats and everything have shown. <laughs> so, yeah, I will respectfully disagree with that. For context to our listeners, Rohita is currently joining us mm-hmm. online. <laughs> <laughs> no, no personal bias yeah, yeah, yeah. at no, all no, in that no, opinion. No, not at all. Okay, hi, this is Shrishti, joining in as a guest. Um, so, uh, firstly, I think I want to explain the concept of what's in, what's out to people who, like me, didn't understand what it means so you know it's like lots of publications and magazines and pages come up with this whole thing for the new year which is based on their opinions of what they believe is in and out and mostly it's more of like business magazines or financial magazines which do more of like survey based stuff so I mean I think what's in work from office it's coming from uh, you know, this Economic Times uh, report on what's in and what's out where, uh, you know, they've been looking at the trends on how this has been going. And basically, for one example, in 2021, IT major TCS said it planned to have only 25% of staff in office at any given point. And by the end of 2023, it wanted most of its employees back at the office desk. Um, and Infosys is planning to make at least three days in office mandatory. So, I mean, this I'm quoting directly from this Economic Times piece. So it seems more like a change in mood in terms of what companies are feeling. Um, And I personally feel like, yeah, flexible work is 
definitely better in some senses in the media industry. I think it's always sort of been the case. Uh, but I also do feel that working from the office for me personally is uh, really nice as well because I like feeding off of other people's energies for a lot of teamwork, like brainstorming and, you know, just being able to turn around and ask someone, hey, what what is going on is nice. So I don't know, maybe a hybrid model is ideal. Uh, Shishti, see, I don't know what you're saying about opinions and all. I think we are the foremost authority in deciding what's <laughs> in and what's out as the youths of this country. Mm. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to quite quitting. I think... Uh, uh, I'm in favor of it where somebody is figuring out what they want to do, whatever, if if they don't have the leeway to do, uh, take the jump because of monetary issues or whatever, <laughs> and they just want to. I think it's fine because I think then you're not also expecting the benefits that come with being a very proactive worker or whatever. So I, I don't really find a big problem with it. But I don't know if it's in in 2024. That's the thing. I don't know about that. I think it's out because... Actually, I don't know. I, you know what? I find it very difficult to weigh in on what's <laughs> in and what's out and what should be in and out. I think I'll be better with dating and entertainment and all with work. It's a bit... But also, iffy. I think quiet quitting would be in post the Narayan Murthy, you know, episode. Because <laughs> if they're like, he wants us to work 14 hours and he doesn't want us to moonlight you know what, I'm just going to sit in office for 14 hours and do nothing. I think it depends on the kind of job you have, okay? There are there are a certain class of jobs which uh, the anthropologist David Graeber famously coined the term for, called bullshit jobs. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so if you have a bullshit job, that's already like you've already quite quit from the get-go. <laughs> that's okay. But I feel like if you're not in a bullshit job, then, and, and, and for context, a bullshit job is a job which is not really required for the functioning of the world. Like it's not a necessary job. It's just like a, a, like a paper pushing, keyboard, keyboard tapping sort of nothing job. Stock which, market. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, yeah, the kind of corporate job where you really don't know what exactly it is you're doing. And if you are gone, it wouldn't make any difference. But still, you get paid comfortably so people stay in these jobs. So that's what a bullshit bullshit job is. And if you have that, then that's fine. But if you're in any other kind of job where your presence actually matters, then I I am very, I don't know, it may, I am surprised by my own take on this, but I'm very anti-quiet quitting because simply because of the way it affects your colleagues and the people Mm -hmm. you work with and how if you are quiet quitting, it adds more of a burden on the people you work with. Yeah. And that's really like not fair to anyone around you. It's not good. It's not. And a lot of people like the discourse about quiet quitting also had this weirdly like anti-capitalist flavor on the internet which i found very irksome because it's not at all it's not like solidarity with your co-workers to just dump your work on them so yeah (laughs) so that's yeah i i really hope that quiet quitting is out for 2024 unless you're stuck in a bullshit job in which case i also hope that bullshit jobs are out in 2024 yeah 
I mean, I think, you know, that's a very interesting point that you bring up because with work, most of these quote-unquote trends that we talk about themselves are so individualistic. Yeah. Despite supposedly being, even when they're supposedly revolutionary, they're just from one individual's perspective. So I think that's definitely important. And that brings me to a very important part of the discourse with work, which is hustle culture. And what do you all think? Is it in or out in 2024? Hustle culture is in, but only individually. I remember reading this uh, somewhere online that spoke about how, even though, especially with uh, Narayana Murthy, even though he speaks about how employees should work longer hours, Infosys is one of the companies that fired a large number of people for moonlighting or for having two jobs, you know. So I think, you know, if you're hustling in benefit of yourself and your career, and it's not at a detriment to your mental health, go for it. Also, uh, like Rohita said, a lot of these takes, like these job takes on the internet do have this anti-capitalist flavor, but at the same time, a lot of them are also, again, I might get doxxed for this, but they do have a bit of a lazy flavor as well. You know? <laughs> End of the day, <laughs> like, you, you have to work for something. I mean, if you don't like your job and you're not being treated well, sure, then... then and of course, not to say that everyone has a choice, but if you yeah. do have a choice and you're in this cushy sort of white collar job and you don't enjoy it, find something you enjoy and do it. I don't think, like, there's a difference between um, not hustling because you're hustling for the benefit of someone else versus not hustling because you just don't want to work. Yeah. I think also another thing is, you cannot be anti-hustle culture and then talk about how unsuccessful you are. So I feel like that also goes hand in hand <laughs> because if this whole anti-hustle culture discourse is starting, then I feel like the whole, oh my God, I don't have money and I'm not where I want to be in my career thing should also not happen. Yeah. You know, I love this definition of uh, hustle culture and this uh, this perspective because I feel like it it's a great one. And I think it's actually like, instead of working it's also I think about hustling to maybe work on yourself broaden yeah. your horizons I think do the things which our educational institutions don't prepare us for because they're very like you know do things a certain yeah. set way yeah. and do I feel like maybe hustling for your own growth could be a good oh my god I realize how satirical this sounds even as I'm <laughs> saying it but uh but yeah I, I like Leo's perspective I agree yeah. with that I think that kind of thing should be in I don't know. I think I disagree because I feel like that's also <laughs> like quite, like a little individualistic, right? Like I I am aware that as in it is true that hustle culture and like hustle culture discourse and the anti-hustle culture discourse have all become a bit like weird and isolated from the actual reality of things where people do have to hustle to get by and that's a, that's a truth that people seem to not acknowledge but but the answer to that is not like, um, you know, like re ranting about hustle culture and then and then introducing a new trend, which is lazy girl jobs. I don't know if you can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, like lazy girl jobs and like that girl and like some weird, like in the name of feminism. And then again, it's it's like, it's kind of like, the, like it's like a reductress headline. Actually, the real problem is that there is no culture of unionizing. The left is yeah. dead. Um, nobody, I'm sure, 
is aware of the four labor codes in India to even talk about like structural reforms that we need to avoid hustle culture and actually have work security, wage security, uh, fixed labor hours, protections, health insurance, all of that. Those are things that we should be like fighting for and, and advocating for and organizing for and not having these like screaming into the void matches on Twitter about hustle culture and oh, it's time to reject hustle culture and be lazy. It's all a bit silly, I feel. Rosa, it's interesting that you bring up lazy girl jobs because essentially if the young people aren't making money, who pays on the date, guys? That's my question. (laughs) (laughs) What do you all think of dating apps? Are they in or out? Out. Like, I want them to be out in 2024 because I think it's time to have some more community-based... Co- I don't know, man. Like, let's <laughs> let's like, let's like meet people in person. But, um, yeah, I, I hope they're out and we find different ways to find love and sex. Um, I actually think dating apps are in, but not in the way that we're talking about. I think Bumble and Hinge and Tinder should be out. I think people should start dating on LinkedIn or Twitter. <laughs> I think use use uh, what do you call it use uh, no broker to start dating someone else wants a 1 bhk marriage let's go guys look at this you want a rich husband go to linkedin closest ceos in my area hit him up guys you want someone that's artistic behance you want someone that likes food i'm sure there's an app about food reviews you want a film guy letterbox I'm here for this new definition of dating apps. I Any fully app support. is a dating app if yeah. you're brave enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I mean, these are like public spaces at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference between meeting someone at a bar versus on Letterboxd? Um, if you really think about it. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the actual dating apps... For sure. I think they were out like two years ago and we were in denial for two years. (laughs) Actually more, like longer. So, yeah. Everyone just feels dehumanized now, I think. Yeah. I think also uh, dating apps two years ago, there was COVID. So that was really the only way we'd meet anyone new. But Mm. I agree with Shristi now. I feel like, you know, on a more serious note, maybe we should like join a class or something. (laughs) Just meet people more organically. Ballroom dancing in Bandra, guys. It's the way to find love. <laughs> but uh, we spoke about dating apps. What about dating app terminology? Oh, God. 1,000, 10,000% out. Please, like, spare me. I'm, I'm done with all this ghosting and caspering. And I don't know, whatever. I'm going on one, Bread like, Karthikarian uh, uh, type monologue. Uh, love Ranjan written <laughs> Kartikarin spoken monologue but no yeah breadcrumbing I can't like no please just no <laughs> I think uh, this is the year I'm sounding like a true boomer on this <laughs> on this podcast okay. considering <laughs> Shushti's very subtle hatred for naming things that don't need to be named Shushti what do you think about situationships I don't get it again no surprises <laughs> I, I like I just think people should just 
fall in love and be okay with being in love and even if it's short term love you know and even if you don't want to i feel like okay if i like someone enough to like sleep with them and get breakfast with them the next day <laughs> then i love them you know in a certain way like love can be a much more expansive thing yeah. why do you need to box things into these really like um I don't know into these really like again dehumanizing they're all okay. they all stem from mm. this dating app era of you know relationships so I'm I'm not a fan of situationships yeah like it just feels very weird Yeah I agree with that I see it's not that I'm not a fan of situationships it's it's <laughs> for those place. listening for some specific <laughs> listeners <laughs> <laughs> but for whoever this may concern <laughs> uh, <laughs> i i don't i don't necessarily think that situationships are the problem it's just yeah the norms around like how we navigate them because mm. i do think there is a place for like something you don't necessarily define because i think I, I, again i'm sounding like some ranveer kapoor character now by <laughs> saying that labels can be a little like restrictive but that's also because we like associate labels with finality and borders and boundaries and ultimately monogamy which a lot of people seem to be afraid of um and that's why we ended up in this like no man's land uh of situationships where you don't want to you don't you want to not be monogamous but you don't want to say that but you also don't want to hurt another person's feelings and you also want to explore where it goes but you don't want to call it anything and then mm-hmm. it's just so um it's it's messy obviously for obvious reasons so i don't think that the uh, the, the answer is like bring back labels and bring back like if we are doing this we have to call it a relationship and then call it uh like and then break up after a certain period of time has elapsed um but but i do think that it's yeah i don't know what you it's not like we call it call situationship something else it's just treat each other better guys and have <coughs> respect and communication <laughs> like no one's forcing you to call it anything but come on but this is where i disagree with the both of you is uh <laughs> respectfully uh roda you say I mean you do say no one's forcing you to call it anything but there is a societal expectation right that I mean if two people are seeing each other for a while and they are sleeping together there is some expectation from you know somewhere to call it a relationship or this or that and I feel like sometimes you like people like a little bit but you don't like them enough to date them and I feel like there should be space for that yeah. this is that you know you think they're interesting and you want to sleep with them but to you want them to be your girlfriend slash boyfriend no because then that also means i feel like the minute you call it a relationship and if you're obviously doing it with any sense of earnesty you do want to give it your all as well like from an optimistic sense i'm saying that if you were to date someone you would want to really really properly date them and if you're not even hell in your career not in the space where you can give someone that kind of a time that they yeah. deserve yeah. but you still you know have needs or whatever and, <laughs> and you don't want to be inhuman and sleep and sleep with them and then leave the next morning it won't hurt to have breakfast 
the only thing but i mean see the only <laughs> issue i have with this and i know that this might i mean i might be contradicting myself here is the lack of commun- communication i think mm. if both parties are clear about where they stand call it whatever you want i mean yeah. in the olden days this used to be called seeing people i am told <laughs> but okay i have a question for you which is do you treat friendships this way i mean like everyone has and like different orbits of friendships right like yeah. you have an inner like inner circle like they your ride or die and then you have like people at various like locations outside right. of that you know circle it's not like you know you 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 go to you go to hang out with someone who's like in the fifth or sixth circle i mean it's not like i define my i'm sounding like a complete psychopath but i'm, I'm <laughs> so not organizing my friends you mean revealing your true self yeah. rota <laughs> <laughs> Hello, But nice to meet you, Fifth Circle friend. <laughs> you texted me four times this week. That's a bit much. Can you stop? But I'm saying you're, like, I'm saying <laughs> that's how, like, we shouldn't be even with dating. Friends. And then you know, like, you, there are some people who you are interested in, and you just want to see where it goes. But you're not. You, I, I don't personally find there to be anything wrong with not wanting to commit to them completely. it's that, that's like saying you meet somebody you you vibe with them you get along and you're friends with them and then you have to decide then or like then and there whether they're going to be your bestie for life or not um no like you hang out with people sometimes because you enjoy their company and then there's a time and place and like there's a certain environment that's right for that person and that's okay and i think the same applies to to dating also i mean like if we're going to start if we like we have spoken before on this podcast about how friendships are more radical than relationships and love and dating because there's so much more liberatory promise in friendships and yeah. there's so much more freedom to organize and live your life the way you want to and have authentic real connections as opposed to these norms which you have with dating and i'm just saying like you know the the need we all feel to like define situationships as like hey either we're in a relationship or not is also falling into the same trap which made dating so exhausting in the first place yeah but uh rota the the thing with this is also that dating culturally i mean like you said dating comes with a certain set of expectations right and if you're not in the place to meet them see i'm not saying that i am fully behind situationships people should only do situationships all the time i'm just saying i understand where it comes from in yeah. the sense that if you're not in the place to fulfill a certain societal expectation but you still like the person and you want to hang out to them and and are sexually attracted to them as well and are obviously consensually sleeping together it it just makes sense to not give it a name and the thing is situationships also we need to realize isn't something that both of them sort of discuss and then they're like ah yes we are in a situationship right <laughs> situationship is very much what the internet made it i mean sort of called it because then one person wants a relationship and one doesn't but most of the time if this is in the optimistic sense if this is an equal communication thing they're just seeing each other hmm. and they're seeing where things go yeah if it becomes something great the problem is that a lot of these situationships tend to go on for years and years on end and then both of the people are in sort of this weird gray area because you don't yeah. know if is this monogamous is this not are there no labels 
I think genuinely all of this would be solved if people just spoke to each other. <laughs> But well, yeah, that's difficult. Actually, after listening to Neha's whole uh, argument, I do feel I'm shifting my opinion <gasps> a little bit because I think my my idea is coming with a very like disillusionment with more with I think terminology and dating apps and all the norms around it yeah. than with the idea of a situation trip because I think I hundred percent agree and have been in many of them in that. Yeah. in that sense you know yeah. but i will say that i think the downside to that or the disillusionment also comes from is the dehumanizing of dating apps because it's a very now phenomenon right like of seeing somebody's yeah. red flags green flags beige flags like pink flags. it's not a person anymore <laughs> they're like of whatever yes. bundle of flags yeah. you know <laughs> and making these decisions yeah. about like and i find myself doing that yeah. you know what are their like they're almost a walking talking list Yeah. which is not fun whereas versus meeting someone in college or where you organically fall for someone even yeah. if it's a what you would call a situation trip yeah. i think it's very different because it just that tendency to view people mm-hmm. as just a list is mar- and i think that is what i have a disillusionment with not so much with the concept of seeing people <laughs> <laughs> you you just mentioned Uh, the idea of commitment, right? Yes. And for the longest time, commitment was was very much commitment to one person. That is until the internet, at least to me, the internet introduced the idea of polyamory and uh, monogamy being two different things. I just, oh my god, I can't believe we're saying this, but is monogamy out this year, or is it in? What's up? I am confused about this because uh, like my personal stance is that polyamory is in and monogamy was always out for me <laughs> um but I think I agree like with Shashi in that sense that um culturally there seems to be a disillusionment with this whole exploration of polyamory this like fun little romp we had um three <laughs> with all of these um shows and films and everything exploring like non monogamy and and now we're back to and also like of course situationships hookup culture dating apps all of that stuff just adding to the thing and hearing about so many men who disguised their lack of commitment and lack of communication as something radical in the name of non monogamy i think all of that has just led to this cultural pushback against it and now it seems like we're craving again the good old days of simple nice straightforward monogamy where it was all fine and everyone communicated and when something was over it was over and there was a clear separation between two relationships or two whatever um which i think is actually i mean i understand but i think it's unfortunate and i think like everything else men and heterosexuality have ruined what could have been a very good thing um there's also this recent article that someone wrote in the new yorker re- like last month about how polyamory has kind of been gentrified um in the sense that it became it became this thing this fixture of elite culture in a sense where people were in fact using polyamory to rescue their marriages so it became a way to 
to actually solidify the ultimate institution of cis hetero monogamy which is so <laughs> ironic and it's so it's kind of like i mean i of 2003 23 was clearly a year of like ironies in that sense i mean we had feminism sponsored by mattel and then the <laughs> amri sponsored by marriage so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's weird cool. times ahead the dishonest kind but i also think like like again as much as i endorse and really like whatever um agree with polyamory as a concept um people who very openly talk about polyamory on the internet like polyamorous content creators or whatever are very annoying like sit <laughs> on this high horse and 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 just like dissect every aspect of um monogamy as if every aspect of a monogamous relationship is toxic like everything becomes toxic monogamy and then it's it's so and it's also very devoid of like struck like actual nuance and structural analysis um so and then it just becomes like this lifestyleification of something that again could have been quite ra- radical actually if if it had more mainstream acceptance but that's like no wonder it's being seen as something which just like i don't know sobo people do or something i don't know you know <laughs> uh, speaking of content creators i feel like it's interesting for us to discuss content itself considering what we've done this year and again i was just watching a uh, coffee with currents what's what's <laughs> up with that are they in again i mean look celebrities were fun see it just goes to show that they used to be fun now they no longer are like no one's got it anymore it's gone like no one's entertaining no one's saying anything interesting or useful no one is offering themselves to the public I, okay that sounds like a human sacrifice i just mean like no one's no one's being authentic or honest enough for it, for it to be intriguing in the slightest it's also manufactured and it's also contrived and i mean yeah arguably there it was also manufactured back in the early arts but at least it was interesting but now it's not and i think it's done there are no stars there is no interesting 
thing happening in the world of celebrities it's over you know what uh, though rota i am beginning to agree with you i think celebrities are out also because i think social like instagram especially should be out mm-hmm. i feel like they used to be fun and interesting because interviews is the only time we'd like see them talk about not their work and it was you know there was a certain kind of voyeurism in these pretty people talking about difficult things but now with social media everyone's one too desensitized and also like everything that they want to share they're sharing and directly benefiting off of from their social media so why would they do it in an interview so i think i i think i really think we should get done with instagram and i'm kind of bored of it no and yeah what kind of dire straits are we in that we see that video of aryadhya bachchan in her school play and we're like mother is mothering like most of all it should be illegal to uh, like children on the internet videos and uh, photo photographs of them should actually i think just not be allowed beyond a point you can't contentify your baby that much it's not like i'm not saying that ashwarya rai and abhishek bachchan did that but i'm just saying even i don't know there's no restraint even from us um where that video went viral be- only because so many people were curious about it and were commenting on it and she's a child and it's just and this is the same like i mean 10 years later she'll come out with the film and she'll get criticized for being a nepo baby i think it's really a vicious cycle yeah it's no very many, dark yeah. yeah i think i'm done with this like this this whole this version of i agree with both of you and i think yeah. that's out and i wish pan india movies were out though you know you have a pushpa 2 coming yes. or like a sequel of every movie that you've seen is in the works right now getting developed but i do feel that this year you know there have been a lot of small releases which have done well which is promising mm-hmm. and i think we ended the year with a movie like 12th fail which is an unexpected hit and yeah. did really well and wasn't here us for a really long time uh, despite facing really stiff competition from some of these big films so i feel this is the year that we go all heart in entertainment and I maybe agree. let go and actually find the art again because yeah. i think we've been doing the marvel marflex yeah. in india version of entertainment for a long time that being said i am really excited for fight off so <laughs> every now and then one of these will be fun as long as it has deepika padukone i'll watch i think anthology films are out i think we should bring back the smaller uh, you know the early 90s like small budget films no but i don't think that big budgets is the problem like it's 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 the fact that people i don't know big budgets are equated with spectacle as opposed to actual like substance you can spend a lot of money and make a really really moving film without without equating money with just vfx um and stunts which is actually like the problem i think you're missing authenticity yeah right yeah actually yeah yeah you're right i i miss the like start of the ott era when everything was fresh and yeah. like new and everyone was trying things yeah i think experimentation should be in this year yeah and it's, it's about time right yeah. because like uh, the cycle is here like it's run yeah. itself out everything yeah. is formulaic on yeah. ott so honestly yeah this is my new year's resolution guys if it's new i'll watch it if you're doing something new even if it sucks i'll watch it i'll pay money and i'll watch it yeah 
That's a great resolution. I'm I'm also on board. Yeah. I'm also tired of seeing the same old faces. Yeah. And people who look different. Yeah, not please. the same template of oh my God. I don't know, Instagram yeah. face, I yeah. think. And yeah. And I mean the, the thing is somehow now they all look the same and they all like do the same ads and you know run the same companies why does everyone have a skincare brand now that's out no no skincare only for 2024 go back to coconut oil and sabun i totally agree take yeah. me back to the vico zone pari <laughs> era oh uh, yeah i feel like that 82 degrees is the spoiling dipika padukun's image, image for me also yeah. like yeah nahi I oh. I don't want your bakuchi oil and whatever <laughs> I don't know whatever all the products are um and I completely agree I think it's just time for no more celebrity yeah. skincare I think let's go back to and nobo even celebrities talking about I have like I use raw milk and I use yeah. whatever you know what let grandmother's recipes yeah. come from grandmother's <laughs> and not from a yeah. 20 something celebrity so done done with Oh, yeah. Skincare. Skincare. I was done with skincare before skincare became a thing. So, <laughs> wholeheartedly agree with that. And celebrity beauty brands also. This beauty skincare industrial complex, I think, like, I also feel like it's not just, like, people fe- seem tired of it. I mean, I'm, like, all of the reels are now advocating for simpler three step skincare routines as opposed to 10 uh, there are dermatologists content creators who are debunking influencer skincare routines i think we're in a moment where it's like become very tangibly exhausting to keep up with this constant need to self optimize and and uh, keep up with a certain idea of perfection yeah i mean I agree I think this whole like the this is the hustle culture that should be out I feel like you know the whole like that girl routine of I wake up do 20 minutes of high intensity workouts and then do a 10 step skincare routine and then also make my own breakfast sis when do you get to work what are you doing do, do you not have friends anyways I think I think all of this should be out honestly I have been anti fitness for a long time I think <laughs> stop it's not required don't you are only meant to run if a dog is chasing you wow okay i have to respectfully disagree <laughs> with that because i am i am definitely pro fitness because i think it helps uh in every which way <laughs> despite me being a very and i think this is me saying this as somebody who's very like not athletic or not um like hasn't grown up being into fitness culture but i feel like it it helps you both with mental and physical health but but so yeah having some kind of a routine or something is is pretty yeah. helpful there but yeah nothing that goes into any kind of fad right like yeah. not like a cult fitness yeah, obsession yeah. ha that was a <laughs> fun brand play sorry fun brand play and uh, yeah as long as it's again you know nothing yeah. that gets very uh that you're part of something which is like mm. a movement and there's mm. a lot of investment and there's a lot yeah. of like capital investment and you know i think that is not okay but i feel like even going for a walk going for a yeah. run doing these things i think it's it's important i think again on on a more serious note i think we should bring back sports 
Hmm. I I miss when fitness was like football or basketball. You know, I miss yeah. when getting fit was playing with your friends. Yeah. I think adults should go back to having little league teams. I yeah. Think it would be nice, man. Yeah, I I I really think that community sports should be in this year and in a big way. Maybe that will you know let us to bring back our parks also some community yeah. uh, places that don't require capital investment again. I love yeah. this. Yeah, I'm right. here for this community sports. Up. Yeah, let's let's do it. Even though I I suck at all of them except badminton, yeah. I'm here for. I'm though. a great cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I mean, that's as optimistic as that is. The sad bit of it is also that like people, we as a people, in don't value or haven't valued these community spaces anymore, right? Yeah, and even. like i don't i don't remember the last time i i don't know who our like municipal corporator is or any of those things i think maybe also this year i mean considering how the national politics are looking maybe it's the year we take back the democracy you know start yeah. start actually joining in Yeah, I think I hundred percent agree, and it's interesting that you made that link between yeah. you know democracy and the government and your day to day life because I think it's also the year that we realize that the political is also the cultural and the yeah. ways in which they're linked, and yeah. you know as it is our general election year, I think it's also about reflecting on yeah. uh, what do you do, what can you do, what does it mean to kind of culturally connect the dots with where your electoral yeah. politics are, and what part do you. in that you know um and again i think 4 years ago uh, it's interesting that we did make that pre and post pandemic connect at the start of the podcast with yeah. work yeah. and again with protest there's such a change right yeah. like whereas in 2019 and uh, up until 2020 up until the lockdown there was such a huge wave of anti nrcca protests and now in 2024 the environment is so so very different you are having a the bill being drafted yeah. and i think it will be silently passed yeah yeah it's scary how how much momentum we've lost in terms of actually expressing uh dissent and not just dissent even just expressing opinions and like uh <clears throat> like being political people and being politically active engaged citizens like we've lost so much momentum i mean especially through the pandemic through the pandemic we've got it kind of like drawn inwards in like self preservation mode and that kind of has stuck you know in a really like dangerous way where it's almost feeling like we're still in self preservation mode without looking at the bigger picture and without looking at the fact that uh like the actual lessons that covid has taught us which is that it's only when we like take care of each other that we're all safe as a community it doesn't matter how much you isolate yourself from the public and from the people ultimately only if everybody cooperates and only if everybody um thinks of one another is when you actually are safe and sound as a as a citizen and as a person and i think we've kind of lost sight of that we saw that even with um i don't know the wrestlers protest for example um it was just the wrestlers and sports people who were protesting and sitting outside jantar mantar and and really and it it we saw now how it 
failed and it was so heartbreaking and there was no national momentum that was formed there was no organizing that took place around this huge issue even more recently with um the effort to sort of mobilize for palestine um that also kind of fizzled out not only here but all over the world like there was a huge moment which gave us a lot of hope for some time where people gathered in the millions across various cities in the world and now there's nothing and we've kind of i mean i know we hate talking about compassion fatigue but i think that's actually what has happened whether we like it or not um i think on an optimistic note maybe this becomes the year where we actually talk yeah. about how do we solve that that yeah. gap and how do we solve that kind of uh, almost like a how do we solve for that dissonance right yeah. i think this is the year that maybe we actually address that and sort of yeah. see how to hold how to be accountable what to take accountability for and really try and hold ourselves to it you know depolitization of everything is linked to everything else we spoke about earlier in this episode itself like um films are just so sterile now because they're not actually talking about anything that really matter like it's everyone's playing it safe and so are celebrities and so are so is everyone on the internet and and if we don't have anything that we actually mobilize for that we care about then obviously like obviously it's it's no wonder that you know beauty and skincare and all of these like really hyper visible aspects of our culture are just like booming um it it all it speaks to just the vacuum of in politics and in in the way we've just occupied space as political citizens and just our detachment from the political sphere i feel it is connected to everything else to the cultural sphere as well like the lack of meaning in anything and how it all feels so empty um maybe this is the year for radical empathy and maybe this is the year we actually hold the people accountable con- i mean hold the people that need to he- be held accountable actually accountable and you know maybe this is the year we go back to caring about things you're hoping uh-huh. undilulu undilulu or maybe dilulu you know delusionally care about everything <laughs> but yeah that's the note we're ending on uh thank you for listening to our first episode of the year and we hope you continue listening yeah oh this is neha your new host now bye guys bye bye This podcast is brought to you by TS Studios, the production company that brings the Swaddle's creative point of view to original podcasts and films.